want you to take your Bibles now, if you would please, and open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It seems like almost every time I start a message in 1 Corinthians that we're dealing with some sort of controversy. Preachers don't like to talk about controversial subjects. We, you know, you just don't want to make people mad. You don't want people going out the door angry at you. And so there are many preachers that when you come to subjects in the Bible that are controversial, they just sort of skip over those things and don't talk about them. You might remember when we were studying uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I said that there are some preachers who come to that scripture and they just sort of hop over it like it isn't there, like a kangaroo. And that's because 1 Corinthians 5 has to deal with church discipline. And it's a very unpleasant topic for many people. So preachers come to chapter 5 and they hop over that and go on. I don't want to be accused of that kangaroo theology. And so we are going to examine every verse of Scripture in the Bible as we come to it. And, and we want to deal with controversial subjects just like Paul had to deal with them. Today's subject is about regulations. Some people don't like the Bible's regulations. They, they don't like the restrictions that you find in the Bible. And that's because they think many times their ideas are better than what the Bible has to say. And so when it comes to rules and regulations that the Bible gives, they don't pay attention to those, but they do other things. And so we have many practices in the church that aren't biblical things that God doesn't want us to do. But I don't want to be someone who, who circumvents the Bible's commands to do anything that it tells us to do. In fact, I know this. The only way that we can be happy serving God is if we do it exactly in the way that God instructs us to do it. So I believe that's the way we ought to approach the Word of God. So we're going to do that. And if it seems old-fashioned to some people, that doesn't matter. We're not doing things here to be politically correct. And uh, if we have to be out of step with everyone else, that's fine. We don't want to be out of step with God. Today we're going to talk about regulations. I don't believe in unnecessary regulations. I, I certainly don't want to impose things on people that the Bible says uh, are not to be regulations, are not restrictions, things that aren't actually there. That's because I don't want to go beyond the Scriptures. But neither do I want to come short of what the Scripture says. And so if there is a, a regulation, a restriction, a principle that God puts into place in the Bible, and he says to follow this, then we're going to follow it. Let's read about it today, some about, about some divinely God-imposed regulations for worship. Stand with me, if you would, please. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're actually going to back up here and start at verse number 23. How many of you have a Bible today? You need your Bible. That's good. When you come to Brian Baptist, someone sitting next to you that doesn't have a Bible, would you please share that with them? Because we have a lot of Scripture to read this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're starting at verse number 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? And that goes back to our subject last week. You need to understand everything that goes on in the services. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. And that points out to us the, the value of preaching of the word of God. Verse 26, now listen. How is it then, brethren... When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, 
hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Verse 27 starts some restrictions, regulations for the use of tongues. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Verse 29 starts some regulations for prophesying. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all churches of the saints, and listen to verse 34, this is some regulation for females. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or it came it to you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come together today to talk about your word. Though, Lord, we do deal with a controversial subject here and different things that we need to talk about. Lord, open our hearts that we may receive the truth in the way that you'd have it to be known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's begin today by reviewing a very important piece of information. You've heard me say this throughout the study of uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to say it again. But 1 Corinthians is dealing with problems, and the first problem that we learned about was the problem of immorality. The people in the city of Corinth lived in a very wicked place, a very perverse place. There were all kinds of sexual sins that were prevalent in that place. And so Paul tells the people, you need to come out from among that. You need to separate yourselves from that. You're called of God. You are saints of Jesus Christ. You're not to be involved in that immorality. Immorality is still a problem today. It's become more and more of a problem in our society and in our churches. We have things that are going on in the church today that ought not to happen. We have Christians that are involved with divorce. We have uh, sexual freedom now, and Christians practice that, at, and, and, and just like these Corinthians were doing. And then we have deviant sexuality, like homosexuality. And that's become prevalent in, in some churches today, that they're accepting of that. But Paul says that immorality, you need to get rid of that. You need to come out from it and separate yourself from it. Secondly, there's another problem in the church, and this is the problem of immaturity. And we're in the section of the book where we're dealing with this problem of immaturity. The people in Corinth especially were ignorant or confused about their spiritual gifts. God had given them gifts, but they were too immature to use the gifts in the way that God wanted them to use them. So here you have people that had taken one particular gift, that's the gift of speaking in tongues, and they'd elevated that above everything else that they did in the church. They had become mixed up about that, and they thought that that was supposed to be the most prominent gift that God would give. And we find the same problem in many churches today. 
There are lots of churches that are mixed up about it. They put the gift of tongues up there above everything else. And what they do is they try to prove their spirituality by the fact that they can speak or think that they can speak in tongues. Really, what speaking in tongues does just the opposite. It does not prove your spirituality. It proves that you are, in fact, an immature Christian because that's what the gift of tongues was for. It was to help those that were immature in their faith. So it's not going to show that a person is a grown-up spiritual Christian. And then on top of that, it's something that's not even for the church today. They're practicing something that God does not want us to do in the church today. The third problem, and we're going to come to this next week, is the problem of immortality. The Corinthians didn't understand completely about the resurrection of Christ They didn't understand what their own bodies would be like. What body are they going to come with out of the grave? And so next week we come to that as we start chapter 15 and we'll move on to this problem of immortality. But everything in some sections of these books, just about everything we talked about in many ways, or in some ways at least, are controversial subjects. And we come today to another controversial subject. We're going to talk about the Bible's regulations And as we get into this a little bit later, you're going to see where the controversy is. First thing we want to talk about today are regulations for the Word. The most important thing that we do in Berean Baptist Church has to do with the Word. I use a little four-letter designation, and the Bible uses it as well, W-O-R-D, Word, and that stands for the infallible, inspired, perfect Word of God. When you see the word used in this way, that's what it's talking about. What I hold in my hands right here is the most valuable book that the world has ever seen. And when we read the words of this book, we're reading and speaking the most important words that anybody could ever speak. This is actually God's revelation to man. This is God's word. This is what God said in a written form, come down to man. And this is the basis for the practice that we have in Berean Baptist Church. And so that means that whatever I say from this pulpit must be backed up by this word or my words are useless. This is the most important thing. But today, the word of God doesn't have prominence in churches. Instead, you'll hear preachers get up and they'll give their sweet little homilies homilies about things that have absolutely nothing at all to do with the word of God or very little to do with any text that they've read. But we're going to use the Word of God as the basis for everything that we teach here. Now, having said that, there are restrictions. There are regulations for the way that the Word comes from me to you or to anyone that's listening and speaking the Word of God. There are regulations for the, for the speaking and the listening and the hearing of that. And so those that hear the Word of God and those who speak the Word of God, we have a regulated process. Now, in verse number 26 we start to see some regulations for the Word. The first thing that we're looking at is the disseminating of information. And how is that to come across as we speak the Word of God? Well, the first thing that we have to do is prevent confusion. In the Corinthian church, confusion reigned. Confusion was the king. And that's because everybody wanted to speak at the same time. 
In verse number 26, Paul says, now what's the problem here? He says, when you get together, everybody has a psalm that they want to read or they have a psalm they want to sing. Somebody stands up at the same time and he says that he has a, a pet doctrine he wants to talk about. Somebody is standing up over here and he, he says, I have a revelation from God. Somebody over there says, I have a tongue that I want to speak in. Somebody on that side again says, I'm going to interpret that tongue. And all these things are going on at the same time. All kinds of confusion in the church. Paul says that you are speaking and you're talking over over top of one another. And so he says here, stop that. That's driving me nuts. The church is to be a place where people are edified. The church is a place where we are built up. So he says, stop talking over one another. Now then he goes on and he starts laying down some rules. He puts into place some regulations for the word, how information is to be disseminated in the church. First thing he talks about is the order of tongues. He gives some regulations for tongues. Let me remind you of this, that in his day, tongues were still operative. Paul said, or he's not going to forbid the use of tongues. Not at that time. Tongues could do some good. They were still operative. Eventually, of course, the use of tongues would play out, and it wouldn't be in the church any longer. But here he says that, that you know, he gives some regulations for tongues. Now, some people will go down to uh, the end of the chapter there where he says, forbid not to speak with tongues, and they pull that out of its context and say, there you see it. That means that tongues are for us today and we're to use them. Let's keep it in the context of what Paul is saying. He's giving regulations. Tongues were operative right then in the church, so he wasn't going to forbid anybody from speaking in tongues. But now let's go to that problem of immaturity. The reason that tongues were out of place is that People were talking over one another. Somebody had something that they wanted to say, and they said, I need to be heard. You need to listen to me. And one person would say, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say, and so I need to speak. The problem is, you've got 10 people maybe who say, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say, and so I need to speak. And so everybody's talking at the same time. And what happened? There's confusion. And when there's confusion and everybody talks at once, nobody is heard. So Paul says what you need to do here is to speak in turn. And he says, let it be by two or at most by three. And he doesn't mean that two or three people can speak at the same time because next he follows that up with and that by course. He means you have to speak in order. When one person speaks and that person is through and then whatever he says has been interpreted, then the next person can speak. It also means that two or three are enough to speak in one meeting. So you don't have to have one of these tongues meetings where everybody gets together and everybody uh, jumps up and everybody's in the whole and the whole church gets their chance to speak. He says you don't need that. You know, I, I've, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a meeting where people speak in tongues, but what I've seen is nothing like the regulations that we have here in 1 Corinthians. I remember when I was very young, that uh, one day they had a tent revival that was taking place. I think it was for the week, maybe. Tent revival that was taking place near to our house. I, I was just very young then. I sneaked over to that tent revival to see what was going on. My dad do it. He would have skinned me to death, skinned me alive. But uh, I sneaked over to that, to that tent, and I remember inching up close to that door and just kind of peering inside the flap a little bit, and there was all kinds of noise and confusion going on. So I pulled back the tent flap, and I looked inside. And what I saw shocked this little conservative Baptist boy. 
What I saw scared me to death. There were people in there that were shouting from one side of the place to the other. There were people that were standing on top of chairs and jumping over chairs. And I remember particularly there was this one guy that was dressed in white all the way from the head to the foot. He had a red bandana tied around his neck, and he was going up and down the aisles, twirling like this as he went up and down the aisles, and that red bandana was flapping in the breeze. And I looked at that, and I said, Holy Ghost is here. That's the Holy Ghost. It has to be. Not on your life, I didn't say that. I said, this is crazy. That scared me to death. What in the world's happening in here? I've never been to another one of their meetings. That cured me from sneaking into those things. But I do, I, I have watched these sometimes on television, and, and I've seen the same thing going on. People standing up and jabbering and talking in these tongues, talking in all kinds of crazy languages, and what you have there is mass confusion. That is exactly what Paul's trying to prevent. There's not supposed to be confusion in the church. And if you look again at verse 33, he says, For God is not the author of confusion. In verse 40, he says, Let things be done decently and in order. And that's why in verse number 23, he said, When they come in and see you doing those things, they're going to think you are crazy. You're mad when you do those kinds of things. So he has restrictions, some regulations for the way that they were to speak in tongues. But that's not the only thing regulated. The second thing we see here is the order of prophesying. Usually, as I've told you before, prophesying means preaching. But here he is talking about special revelations that come from God. And let me say this about prophesying. This kind of prophecy is no longer done in the church today. Back before the Bible was completed, God had prophets. He gave revelation to those prophets. Uh, he gave them special things uh, for, for the word. And those special prophets revealed God's word. And God did that with the apostles. And those were instructions for these people when they were in the infant stage, when the church was just beginning. But when the Bible was completed, there was no need for that further revelation. And so now we have all the revelation that God wants us to have. It's right here in this book that we call the Bible. But at that time there were still prophets. There were people that were actual prophets, but their speaking was also regulated as well. If there were ten prophets in the church, only two or three were able to speak, and they had to speak in order, and then their words were to be judged by the other prophets. Look at verse number 29. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So this gives us another regulation, and they were to promote correctness. A regulation for the word is it has to be correct. The words have to be judged to be true. And so somebody couldn't just get up in the service and say, Well, I've received a revelation from God. And then it turns out that the revelation they give is contradictory to what someone else has already said is a revelation from God. Well, you've got a problem if that happens. It means that one or the other is not speaking the truth. God's not contradictory. So he's not going to give one person a revelation that's not in order with another person who has a revelation. So he says what the prophets do then, they judge what's being spoken to see if that is correct. Now again, we don't have prophets today. But we do have preachers. 
And every time that a preacher gets into a pulpit, his words need to be judged about whether they are correct. He needs to speak correctly from the Word of God. So what do you do? Well, you're sitting there listening to me today, and it's your job to take what I say and to examine it very carefully. Look at the Scriptures. Take your Bible out. Read your Bible along with me. We put out this lesson sheet every week. That's not just for the purpose of filling in a blank for you. Take some notes on there so that when you go home, you can read that again. You can contemplate it, meditate upon it, and see if that is truly what God is saying. That's what you ought to do. And just because I say something does not make it true. But, of course, neither should you regard it just because I did say it. We're to judge everything that's here by the Word of God. That's the judge. Now, I'm not afraid for you to do it. I'm not afraid for you to study the Word of God. I encourage you to do that. And with all of us studying, we'll either get it right or we're going to have some very lively discussions about things. Look at verse number 23 because here we have an interesting verse. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And what that means is that no prophet will, not, will speak when he's not under complete control of his faculties. Now, sometimes you'll see this. If you, you watch television, you'll see guys like Benny Hinn and some of those. And you'll see people on these programs that claim that they are slain in the spirit. And they'll fall back suddenly or they'll start jerking. And they look like they're going into a trance. The Holy Spirit is not going to put you into a trance. There's not going to be a time when you're going to lose control of your faculties. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. You see, when I stand up here and preach the Word of God, my mind is working. I'm very carefully reviewing things and putting things together as I speak. Sometimes it doesn't sound like that's what's happening, but that's what I'm trying to do at least. I don't lose control up here. Now, it's true the Holy Spirit gives me a message and the Holy Spirit works through me as I deliver a message and I know there are many things when I times when I do this I can't do this under my own power all the time I can't do it under my own power the Holy Spirit has to work in that but what I don't do I don't become lifeless and the Holy Spirit doesn't take me like a marionette and pull a string and that arm goes that way and this one goes that way and my leg goes over here and my head turns side to side The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. I'm here under control. I have use of my faculties, and the Holy Spirit's not going to put me in some kind of trance to deliver the word to you. I once knew a Baptist preacher who said that he had an out-of-body experience. God doesn't work that way today. God doesn't do that. We don't receive new revelations from the word of God. So we're not getting things from God in dreams. We don't get them in trance-like states. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. Demons can work that way, but not the Holy Spirit. So these are regulations for the Word. So what do we do in Berean Baptist Church? Well, we don't have people standing up, have you noticed, in the middle of my sermon and start talking and start giving me feedback during the service. I don't do that because I have a Word to preach to you that God gave to me, and this is not the time for that. This is the time for you to listen to God's Word. There's not to be any confusion here. So we don't have five things going on at once. We have the preaching of the Word of God happening right now, and this is what we listen to. God is not the author of confusion, and he wants us to pay attention when the Word of God is being preached. I do remember when I was younger, 
that uh, my dad, when he was preaching, there were times when he would stop in the middle of his message because somebody was talking. Maybe there were some young people. Maybe there were some older folks. And he just stopped in the middle of the message. He said, I am the one talking, and you're supposed to be listening to me. It's a good thing for you to remember. I'm the one that's doing the talking, so you listen to me. So we don't want confusion here, and hopefully this is what we're doing. We're preaching God's Word without confusion, and we proclaim it correctly. And we hope that's what the Holy Spirit is directing us to do. Now let's move on, because we have another regulation for worship And here's where we get into the controversy. These are, number two, regulations for women. Let's start again at verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Now, let's stop there for a minute. When the Bible was first written, there weren't any such things as verse divisions and chapter divisions. The books of the Bible were one long manuscript. No verses, no chapters. So to simplify things, in the 13th century, the Bible was divided into chapters. That's to help us to look up things. In the 16th century, the Bible was divided into verses. Now, that ought to tell you something. The chapters and the verses of the Bible are not God-inspired. Men put the chapter divisions in and the verse divisions. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It helps us to look things up. But the problem is there are some places where those verse divisions are not correct. And so most people, most Bible expositors agree that the end of verse number 33 goes with verse number 34 and is the introduction to verse number 34. So here's how we read it. As in all churches of the saints, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. So there you have a very clear, concise statement. This is made in the Word of God. It's spoken by an apostle, someone who is called out specifically by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and yet there is controversy about what he says. So much controversy that people get angry when you talk about this subject. Some people go so far as to say that that Paul was prejudiced against women. And so every effort is made to try to explain away this verse. Somehow you have to get rid of this because in our day it is not politically correct to say such things. But all that I can say, which is not all that I will say in fact, but this is the Bible. It's biblical. And so the thing we have to do is to understand it and to practice it. So let's kind of break it down a little bit. Let's notice first here that silence is not cultural. That's the most common way that people try to get rid of this. People will say, that's Paul's day. That was back in the first century. It was a cultural thing for in Corinth, and that's not binding on us today. Maybe you could get away with that if you didn't read all of the Scripture and what it says. The text says, as in all churches of the saints. Not just in Corinth, not just in Greek cities. In all churches of the saints, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. That's not a cultural idea. It's not based upon geographical location, and it's not even based in a particular time period. Because right after it says, it is not permitted unto them to speak, he says, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. 
Now, there in Corinth, women were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. And in a church setting, they were not to do that. Today, in the charismatic churches, women are often chief among the ones who speak in tongues. They don't have any problem at all with having women preachers. But you know, there's not one word of Scripture in the Bible that allows a woman to preach. There are no qualifications for, the, for women preachers in the Bible. We do have qualifications for preaching and pastoring, and the only gender that's ever considered is the male. Some of the qualifications for the pastorate are the person must be the head of his house. He must be in authority over his children, and the Bible says over his wife. So if that, you could show me where you have one verse that qualifies a woman to preach or to pastor in the New Testament, show me where it is. I'll gladly surrender my position. I'll admit my error. But this is not the only place where Paul talks about it. He speaks about silence in 1 Timothy. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, let me ask you. How can you preach without exercising authority? How do you pastor a church without exercising authority? So a woman can't do this. She can't take authority over the man in preaching because that is a God-given role for the man. The Bible's clear about it. So silence in the church is not a cultural issue. Secondly, silence shows submission. The woman is to be under obedience as the law says. That's what verse 44 tells us. Submission is a principle that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of creation when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. My purpose today is not to give you a lesson about family. I'm not going to talk to you so much about what you need to do in your own personal family, about women being subjection to their husband. That's not the purpose. But I do want to tell you this. Women's silence in the church goes back to the original command of submission. Submission is one of the consequences of the fall. God told Eve that because she ate of that forbidden fruit, that she and every woman who came after her in the future should be and would be in subjection to their husbands. Now, in Genesis 3.16, here's what God said. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. You know, that's part of the curse. That's part of the curse that God put on the world. In sorrow, you're going to bring forth children. Childbirth is going to be difficult. It's hard for you. Listen to the next part, because this is also part of the curse. And the desire shall be to thy husband, and listen, and he shall rule over thee. That's a principle of the law that does not change. This is the order of creation. It's never going to change. It's not going to change until Jesus Christ comes back to the world and lifts the curse from the world. So this is a timeless principle. And so in deference to this and in recognition of this law, the Jews would not permit the women to speak in the synagogue. And obviously, almost assuredly, this is what Paul had in mind when he spoke this verse. And there's no place in the Scripture where he ever countermanded what he says right here. Now let me say that that doesn't mean that women are, have, are to have no ministry in the church. That's not true. It doesn't mean that women are inferior it only means one thing. It means that there are regulations for the way that we serve in God's church. And we serve in the way that God tells us to do. Now, I came across something that was 
kind of interesting when I was studying this, and really, it was really one of the most foolish things that I've ever heard said about this subject. I was listening to what one Baptist preacher had to say about it. Now, I can talk about Baptists because I'm a Baptist. Don't anybody complain about it. But I, I was talking to, uh, listening to this Baptist preacher, and he didn't think that silence meant silence. And, and, and he thought that it was all right for women to speak in the church, even though he didn't agree that it was all right for them to, to, to get up and preach. He was against that, but he said, women don't have to keep silent in the church. So in demonstration of it, what he did was he called his wife to the platform to introduce his message for him. Then he said, well, did what I, did, what I just did, he said, does that violate the Scripture? And he said, no. He said, I gave my wife permission to speak. And so if my wife was in here today, she's in the nursery right now, I could say to her, well, you can come up here and you can say anything that you want to say just as long as you don't preach. Let's go down to verse number 36. He says, what came the word of God out from you or came it to you only? You know what that is? That's some of Paul's sanctified sarcasm. And what he's saying here is he anticipated the objections that would be made. He already knew that there were going to be some spineless preachers who wouldn't stand up on the word of God and say this is the way it needs to be done. He already anticipated feminism before it ever happened. He knew about it. And so what he says here, he says, do you think that the word of God was delivered to you only? Do you think that you could interpret the scriptures any way that you like just because you want to do that? He says, what you must do, you must subject yourself to the authority of the Scriptures just like a woman is to subject herself to her husband. This is God's Word. You, you don't alter this because you want to be politically correct or for any other reason. You don't change God's Word. And so what do we do here in the public assembly of the Rehoboth Baptist Church? When we meet as a church, when we come together for worship, the women do not make announcements. The women do not get up and give testimonies. The women do not speak out in the church. They don't do it because the Scripture is clear. The woman is to keep silent in the church. That's not demeaning. It's not belittling. It's going by the Bible's regulation. And when somebody gets authority from the Holy Spirit to change what the Word of God says, you come and let me know because I want to check out that Spirit. I want to see what's really happening. So it's not surprising in these churches that allow women to speak and where women preach and where women pastor that they're also wrong on many other doctrines. And the reason, the Bible is no longer their authority. They're not going by what the Bible says. So they're getting information someplace else. Well, here's what I want to tell you. If you think that something else needs to be the authority besides the Word of God, and I'm talking about Watchtower magazines, and I'm talking about Book of Mormon, and I'm talking about anything else, if you think that something else ought to be the authority for what we do in Brian Baptist Church, you are in the wrong church. I'm sorry, you're in the wrong church. we got to part company here. You go your way, and I'll go his way. That's the way we ought to preach it. Now, now let me say this. To you men, you're not off the hook here. Don't think, well, he slammed the women today. No, go to verse number 35. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. You know what that says to you men? You ought to know the Word of God. When your wife has a question about things, when I've said something in a sermon that you, she didn't understand, 
She can come to me, of course, if she wants, but it specifically says here she ought to be able to go home and ask her husband about that. If she has a question about the Word of God, ask her husband. Now, here's the thing about it. You may be a husband that you don't know all the answers. We already talked about that sometime before. Women already know all the answers to things you don't know about, it seems like. But, but you don't know all the answers. And, and, but you ought to be a person. You ought to be a man who is in the process of getting answers. You ought to be in the process of studying God's Word so that you can be an authority in your house on the Word of God. So when your wife comes to you, when your children come to you, you can answer them out of God's Word. That's a responsibility for you. Now, I know it's no excuse, but I think that I can understand sometimes why women take the authority in many churches, and it's because men are too sorry to do it. The men aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And so what happens? The woman steps up to take that position. That doesn't make it right. It only compounds the problem. But I can understand why they do it sometimes. Men, you've got to change yourself a little bit here on this issue. Be a student of God's Word. So there we have two regulations in the passage. Regulations for the Word, how we deliver the Word, how it gets to you, and regulations for women. Now, there's one more thing we need to consider here, and this is regulations for what is written. Look at verse number 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Here's a way to judge whether you are a spiritual person. Are you somebody who follows the Lord? If you are, then here's what you'll do. Whatever is written in the Word of God, you will follow. Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, acknowledge that the things that I have written unto you, these things that I write, these are the commandments of the Lord. So what do you do? Well, first, you accept the apostle. There are times that Paul had to defend his apostleship. When he was first saved on the road to Damascus, God called him to preach there. God put him into the ministry. And when he made his first trip to Jerusalem after he was saved, people in Jerusalem were afraid of him. They, they knew his reputation. They knew he was a persecutor of Christians, so they were afraid of him. And so Paul had to vindicate his apostleship. But then, even after many years of preaching, we find that Paul was doing the same thing because there were people who said, well, Paul, you're not one of the twelve original 12 apostles, so you can't speak with this kind of authority. And so Paul had to, had to argue for that authority again, and he gave proofs that actually Christ had called him. And he re relates that Damascus experience, how he was saved and so forth, and how he spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, do you know what happens when you disagree with Paul? When you say tongues are for the church today, and when you say women can speak in tongues in the church, and women can preach, and women do not have to be silent, you know what you're doing? You're disregarding Paul's apostleship. You're saying that what, what Paul spoke, that wasn't under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's not speaking the commands of God. And do you know, incredibly, there are people who do say that. They say Paul's words are not inspired. He's just giving his own opinion. So they try to get rid of it that way. Well, Paul has a word for those folks too. Here it is. Disregard the disagreeable. Verse number 38, it's kind of a play on words. It says, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. And what he means is, if anyone disregards the word, then that person should be disregarded. 
So if you don't accept God's word as the final authority and you disobey the word of God, that means that you are a counterfeiter. You don't have the spiritual gifts that you claim to have. You are not someone who's following the Lord. So anyone who rejected the words of the apostle and what he spoke and what he wrote under the authority of Scripture, or the Holy Spirit, I should say, if anyone rejects that, that person is to be disregarded. Now, let me ask you some questions. When you look for a church, when you are going to decide what church that you should be a part of, should it be a church that preaches the Word of God alone, uses the Bible alone, should it be a church that goes under the authority of Jesus Christ and the apostles? Or should it be a church that makes up its doctrine as it goes along to suit the political winds? Is that the kind of church you want to be a member of? Should you join a church where they jibber-jabber and many people are speaking at one time and there's confusion? Should you join a church that practices sign gifts, things that were temporary and were not to be used in the church today? Or should you join a church that worships God in spirit and in truth? Is that the kind of church you should join? This is why we take the scriptures verse by verse. This is why we don't skip controversial parts. All controversy is dissolved by obedience to God's word. There are some people in Corinth that they heard all of this and they objected to Paul's regulation. And so Paul just simply said, I'm sorry, objection overruled. Objection overruled. And anyone who tries to bring a practice into Berean Baptist Church that is not according and is not true to the Word of God, and if you object to our compliance with the authority of God's Word, I'm sorry, but we'll say to you, objection overruled. Because we're going to go by God's Word and we'll follow the regulations that God has put in place for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words that we've been able to speak today. We ask you, Lord, that there would be no confusion about this. Everybody would clearly understand what the Word of God says. We have no questions about this, but we would honor you by believing your Word and practice your Word as you would have us to. I ask you, Lord, if there's any person here today who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, may they understand that Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He gave his life to save sinners, and they need to trust you. If there is some Christian here today who's contemplating, what should I do about a church? Where should I go? Should I be a member of a particular church? Show them that Berean Baptist Church is a church that believes in preaching only upon the authority of God's word. Speak to people today through our invitation in this time that we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.